Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. All right. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Hey, Heather Burns. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you all? Good, good. good. We're excited today, guys. We've got Heather Burns with us. She's a licensed master social worker and the program and outreach director for Gateway to Hope, which is a nonprofit here in St. Louis. Prior to joining Gateway to Hope, Heather worked with adults battling chronic and terminal disease. So welcome, Heather. We're excited to have you today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. So we're going to kind of start off. We like to keep the mood light. We're going to start off with a couple of like icebreaker questions. So you guys, I want to ask you, what what season do you like the best? Oh, for me, this is easy. Heather, what season do you like best? <laughs> I'm a fall girl. Oh, really? Why, and why is that? So I'm a big fan of Halloween, kind of to the point where it's obnoxious. So... <laughs> And I view Halloween as almost like the kickoff to the holiday season. So, you know, just the the temperature drops and like, you know, one day it might be like 80 degrees and, you know, at night it's like 50 and I don't know, it just, it gives me all the, all the good vibes and I just love it. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Beth? Uh, I'm a summer girl. Summer? And why is that? I don't know. It's just because you can just, I love the sun. Uh I love the heat. Mm-hmm. I love being outdoors. Mm-hmm. So, and we we spend a lot of time on the lake with our boat. So, mm-hmm. the hotter the better mm-hmm. because then the water just feels yes. that much more amazing. So, yeah, I'm yeah. a summer girl. What about you? Same, summer. I love tank tops. I love dresses. I think there's it, you only have so many choices in the winter and Oh, it's a fashion that, choice for that, you. Yeah, maybe it's a fashion choice, but you know, it's also like I don't know, I just love to do all the summer activities. Yeah. Being outside, being in the water, being in the sun on my skin feels really good. Yeah. yeah. My, my sister-in-law person. absolutely detests the heat. Like, really? detests the heat. We yeah. we did a family experiment inviting her to go camping with us once, and mm-hmm. it was an epic fail. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's an experiment. <laughs> right, right, exactly. All right, cool. Yeah. I like that question. Okay, so Heather, Beth and I were talking about this question before we got on here, so I'm really curious to hear your answer first. But do you collect anything? Oh, man. <laughs> So I go through phases of collecting things. I know that sounds weird. At different points in my life, I've just, I don't know, like at one point I I was really big into like Marilyn Monroe memorabilia type stuff. So I collected a bunch of things like that. And then I went through like this like kind of weird like Tinkerbell phase. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so I collected a bunch of that and I have since like stopped collecting those things. I think right now, one of the things that I'm into is like vintage furniture. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I I could get behind that. I love, I love some uh, resale shopping. Yeah. So I'm kind of getting into that and I'm actually, um, we're moving here in a couple of months and I'm redoing like a 19, like forties art deco, um, bedroom set. Oh, um, 
for our new room. So that's kind of my, my thing right now. Um, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's tough, right? I yeah. go through phases where I collect You're- like random things I don't really need, but trying to not do that, um, especially with moving mm-hmm. coming soon because goodness, like four people should not have as many items as we do in this house. So that's changing. <laughs> Sarah and I were feeling boring because neither one of us collect anything. And we yep. were just saying, we were wondering what that says about us. Like, are we not interesting enough to, yeah. to collect things? <laughs> and so it's, we've decided you're more interesting than we are. So, yeah. no, no, I don't. I mean, I, I think I could go out on a limb here and say you collect sweaters. Uh, <laughs> man you're such a hater on call the call out <laughs> such a hater yeah. actually the other day I, I was looking at one online and Gary goes are you actually gonna buy another, another sweater, sweater. <laughs> so yeah. okay I may yeah. I may collect sweaters <laughs> never mind yeah, I think there's like a rule if you have more than like three or something that's technically a collection right? oh well there you go now we have a rule to it well <laughs> then we know it's true all right, so let's uh, let's talk about what we're going to be talking about today: mm-hmm. financial stress during a cancer diagnosis. Yep, that's real, right? And then that's why Heather is here today to talk to us about Gateway to Hope and how they help eliminate barriers to care, so patients can focus on healing, and then maybe what patients need to know regarding how to get help. So before we get into that, let's hear from our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at paxmanscalpcooling.com. That's paxmanscalpcooling.com. All right, and we are back from our sponsor, and we are with Heather Burns today, who is here to talk to us about um, financial stress during diagnosis. So, Heather... Tell us about what Gateway to Hope is and and what's the mission. Yeah. So Gateway to Hope, we are a nonprofit founded about 15 years ago by two surgeons in the St. Louis area. So Dr. David Kaplan and Dr. Marlis Shu. David Kaplan's a plastic surgeon and Marlis is a breast surgeon. And so, you know, like I said, 15 years ago or so, they identified a need for breast cancer treatment services and reconstruction services for individuals who were uninsured and had a breast cancer diagnosis. So they networked with their colleagues in the St. Louis area, partnered with local treatment facilities, um, surgeons, everything from diagnostics to reconstruction, so that essentially they could provide every aspect of care at no cost for women who were uninsured. So that was how the organization started again 15 years ago. Fast forward several years after, you know, making a huge difference in quite a few women's lives through their breast cancer journey and again coordinating every little aspect of care from chemotherapy to radiation again to reconstruction. The Affordable Care Act passed and at that time the thought was that this will give more people access to health insurance, right? Which the it idea, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the idea. So <laughs> to an extent it did. 
so the program model changed a little bit from a donated care model to more of a, a financial assistance model because as you both are keenly aware, the cancer diagnosis and just the time off work and everything in between medical bills, just the follow-up appointments, the co-pays, the prescriptions, it is incredibly expensive for, for somebody with this, uh, for, with a breast cancer diagnosis. So the organization moved to a financial assistance model. So providing, um, payments for basic living expenses. So things like rent, mortgage, utilities, any transportation costs. So car repairs, car insurance, car payments, and then also providing assistance towards health insurance premiums so that anybody who was struggling to maintain their existing coverage would not have that be a barrier for them to receive life-saving care. Got it. Yeah. So that was where the model shifted to, and that's how we're operating today in a, in a little bit of a different form. The big emphasis in addition to the financial assistance is also our navigation services. So our program is comprised of social workers and the navigation support that we provide is a little different than what someone may experience from a navigator in the hospital. So again, we're social workers, usually the the navigators in the hospital are nurses. So Mm -hmm. just a little more of a medical clinical focus on the hospital side of things. And our focus is more psychosocial. So working to, you know, make sure that the individual who we are working with has all of their, their needs met to the best of our abilities during, during their treatment journey. So making sure they feel emotionally supported, connecting them with mental health resources. If it's something beyond we, what we can support, you know, if, if there's specific assistance that they are needing for their children, connecting them with local or national organizations to get those, get those needs met as well. So just giving them a, a very individualized experience as they work with us. On average, we work with patients about five to six months. And last yeah, because year, I think people for maybe don't recognize how long the breast cancer treatment journey yeah. is. I mean, mm-hmm. it can, it's basically at least, you know, anywhere from the very minimum a year, right? Six yeah. to six months to a year is like yeah. the six months that you're referencing is kind of the thick of it. Yeah. Like when mm-hmm. things are really overwhelming mm-hmm. and just you're getting piled on with every single treatment and appointments, just appointments and, yeah, and everything. Surgery. So it's yeah. it's a long journey. It's the same thing with our mentorship program. I mean, we're usually with these women for a year because it's not just a one and done thing. Yeah. So right. sorry, Heather, it's I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to kind no. of re- no, you're fine. give yeah. some context. Um, it's so it's so true. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, right? They think, oh, once you're done with treatment, you're done. And it, it's much, much more... And it's like, even if are are women going to get treatment if they don't have that, you know, if their psychosocial needs aren't being met? And the the, the answer is often no. You know, mm-hmm. they're worried if they get a breast cancer diagnosis, their first thought is not always necessarily, am I going to die? It's how am I going to get to treatment? How am I going to mm-hmm. afford to have treatment? You know, mm-hmm. how am I going to make my rent and pay my medical bills? And so that's a very real problem for a lot of patients out there. And so I think it's it's good for people to know that, you know, have being diagnosed diagnosed with a life-threatening disease is, is terrifying and very, very emotional. But often for people, it's not their first concern. And mm-hmm. that's that's what people don't realize. So you deal with this every single day. 
And I'd be really interested in kind of talking about what a typical scenario is for a patient that you help. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, do we want to maybe do boobs in the news? Yeah. You want to do boobs? Yeah. Heather, you want to do boobs in the news with us? Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. <laughs> okay. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets from real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. I'm laying this one on you today. Okay. We, okay. Go ahead. I'm Are excited. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. A woman in St. Paul, Minnesota. She has been collecting. Oh, good. Collecting. Ah, <laughs> wow. We come full circle with that one there. She has been collecting ugh, used band-aids for 10 years. Oh. She uses them in her mandala wall hangings. What? Yeah. what? First of all, what's a mandala? It's like that. It, they're usually like a circle. They, You know, you can buy like a rug or a towel or a wall hanging, but they're a circle and they're usually kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. That it's, is so gross. Y- yeah, it's pretty gross. And she prefers Band-Aids with traces of blood oh. and other fluids on them. What? That is so <laughs> gross. <laughs> she really actually good. stops random people if she sees a Band-Aid on them that she wants. They I'm sorry. I'm gonna give her strange looks. Nope. I'm I'm throwing the mental health card here, <laughs> Heather. Do you want to, um, as a social worker, does this veer into the mental health field? I'm I'm saying yes. So I don't think I can speak on that without you know, meeting this woman and and doing the full. Assessment. Oh, look at her. She's a total professional. I need not meet this <laughs> yeah. woman to diagnose her. <laughs> so you guys though. The woman's Band-Aid wall hangings have been displayed at the University of St. Thomas and the Museum of Arts and Design in New York. What? So these are, like, legit. What? Somebody recognizes this as art. The works represent sickness and healing. What? Oh. Mm. Okay, mm. people, weigh in. This is controversial. <laughs> this is our first controversial boobs in the news. Uh, I want to know. I'm going to post this on the social account. <laughs> Is this art or is this just gross? Maybe this is maybe this is our judgment because we don't collect anything. We are judging this poor woman because she collects band-aids. <laughs> Used band-aids, Sarah. Used okay, band-aids. Fine. Oh my gosh. Look I at Heather being Heather's being all PC. She's like, yeah. I'm not judging this woman. I have not met her. I have not it's assessed her. Yeah. And see, Heather would probably be the smart move here because other people are displaying her work. So yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm claiming that's that's a boob. Uh, totally. <laughs> all right. That was our boobs in the news. Bibs in the news, bibs in the news, bibs in the news. So we're back. Heather, can you kind of tell us what a typical patient might look like that that comes to Gateway to Hope? What's a typical scenario? You know, uh, we we see all walks of life. I mean, as as you all know, breast cancer does not discriminate when it comes to age, um, when it comes to race, even in gender. We've had some men who have come through our program in the last couple of years. So we really see just all different kinds of scenarios. I, I think the a typical patient is somebody who is just going through the motions, right? So they're experiencing distress because of their diagnosis. We it varies depending on when somebody comes to us during their journey. So we are seeing patients more often in the earlier parts. So when they're newly diagnosed and there's definitely a whole, whole lot of different things to work through the earlier on in the diagnosis, just because it's so fresh and so new, but our eligibility criteria, you know, there's no age requirement, again, no gender, no citizenship, nothing like that is required. There is a financial requirement and it's basically you, the household income cannot be 
above 450% of the federal poverty level, which I can tell you exactly what that is because it's changing often. For a family of four, that would be like $120,000 a year approximately. So the household income would need to be less than that for a family of four. Mm -hmm. So that encompasses a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of people that are eligible for help, right? Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I I have seen individuals who have had their finances like completely buttoned up and together, right? Like that's not mm-hmm. me. Um, <laughs> but there are so many people who have made just really wise financial decisions and contributions to different accounts and things like that. And, you know, when this diagnosis comes along, like you're looking at, you know, easily $20,000 in medical debt, depending mm-hmm. on your coverage and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the treatment duration and all of those things. So every little bit, helps. And as we were mentioning earlier, financial toxicity, I mean, that has so many adverse effects on treatment outcomes. So Mm -hmm. that can contribute to somebody skipping meds or skipping appointments or not following their their treatment protocols. And that can be the difference between an advanced stage diagnosis which could, you know, essentially mean life or death. And it shouldn't, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't have to have to be that way. So I think a lot of people are, are, you know, out there thinking, okay, can I afford to get breast cancer treatment? But when they forego or they delay breast cancer treatment, what ends up happening is is that they need more help, Mm -hmm. more services, more treatments, Mm -hmm. to your point, if they're later in their diagnosis. And then that just, you know, compounds the financial burden. So I think it's really important for people to understand that if you're worried about finances, that you need to reach out to an organization like Gateway to Hope because they can help you minimize that impact and mm-hmm. prevent it from spiraling out of control by by ignoring it, you know, mm-hmm. and you need to get healthy as fast as possible. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the unintended consequence of kind of ignoring it or thinking that you can't afford it is that you may end up paying more down the road, whether you want to or not. So I think that's incredibly important. It's also important to know that sometimes giving your sp- yourself the space like it's it can be hard for some people I've heard it from people that I've mentored that it can be hard to ask for help or to Mm -hmm. say that you need help but give sometimes giving yourself the space to have chemo and not go to work um, to be able to heal and not put that burden upon yourself to do everything while you're going through treatment and all it takes is actually just being able to ask for help yeah, cause because I, these organizations are out there. I mean, I've heard it multiple times. I'm sure you have, too, is there's people who probably need it more than me mm-hmm. is something I hear often. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ask for help because there's people that have it worse or that I, I, I don't want to take it away from somebody yeah. who might need it more. And it's like, no, you need this. Yeah. And it's OK that you need this. Mm-hmm. And it's OK to accept it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, survivor's guilt is a real thing. Right. Right. <laughs> which I'm sure we'll get to at some yeah. point in this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Interesting. I would really like to hear what Heather has to say about her big biggest challenges that they face. Oh, as an organization? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, is the is the biggest challenge just getting people to come and actually utilize you or is it is do it they know bigger? about you? Is, yeah. is, is it very are, are they easily able to find you? What, what do you guys face as an organization? What's your biggest frustration? You know, I think some of our biggest challenges are so we so we serve the whole state of Missouri and in southern Illinois. So and I, and I think a lot of our reach has been concentrated in the St. Louis area. Mostly, you know, we're small. 
And we do have connections with other healthcare facilities in rural parts of Missouri and, you know, in the Kansas City area and in the Southern Illinois area as well. I think the the biggest thing that is challenging for us is just expanding our reach. So, and even in the St. Louis region. So specifically in St. Louis, County black women are twice as likely to die from their breast cancer diagnosis than white women. And that is something that we are really passionate about changing as an organization. And there's lots of levels and layers to that, like lack of health insurance and access to care and just healthcare equity in general. So that information right there tells us that, you know, we need to be really intentional about some of our outreach efforts, especially when working with communities of color to where they are aware of our services. One thing that we will be doing a little differently this year, so in addition to the the financial assistance and navigation assistance for individuals who have a, a breast cancer diagnosis, we'll now be providing navigation support to individuals who are looking to just get a routine screening, whether it be because they discovered something in a, in a self-exam or they were referred by their primary care provider, those people can now call us and we can help them locate a mammography site that's maybe close to their job or has Hmm. flexible hours or what have you. Yeah, because I think it's been kind of established, right? Like prevention is key, right? Mm -hmm. We want to prevent it from ever getting to the point where you've developed a breast cancer and have waited too long. And so I think that's a critical piece, especially when you're talking about this health equity and making sure that women of color, you know, have access to those services so that they can, you know, have peace of mind and make sure they're getting proper medical care. That's a, yeah, it's a useful service, I think, because, you know, you, (laughs) people will put off something that's a little bit scary and I've had, or expensive. I've had two people. Yeah. And I've had two people contact me being like, I found this. What should I do? (laughs) Like, well, you know what to do. Like, you know, and maybe, maybe costs is stopping them from going, or maybe it's any of the things that you just mentioned. Like maybe they don't trust the medical system or they, yeah, they just don't have you it's know, layered. The finance, yeah, it's very, very, very layered. But that's a great service that you guys are offering. Yeah. Um, and the, the pandemic has just exasperated things, right? Like mm-hmm. screening locations were closed mm-hmm. for you know six to eight weeks nationally. So there was a pretty big drop in screen, just overall mm-hmm. screenings in general, but mm-hmm. specifically relating to breast, um, breast health and breast cancer. So yeah. we recognize that and we've been communicating really closely with providers locally about what that means in terms of advanced stage breast cancer and just, you know, what we can do to help women and and any other individual who who feels like they need a a screening, like what can we do to help support that? Right. Because prevention, like you just said, is key and breast cancer doesn't have to be a death sentence. Um, It's definitely treatable. There's new treatment options rolling out. I mean, it seems like every day, I know that's exaggeration, but. Oh, yeah. The um, changes just from the time that I went through treatment four years ago to today is huge. completely different. Like there's yeah, so many different yeah. things. Yeah. So and that's that is that's really hopeful, right? Like because more than likely, you know, if the if the cancer is detected early enough and treatment is protocols are followed and all those things, then, you know, this could be something that is just a a small blip in somebody's life versus, you know, a defining moment. Well, and I think that that's why it's so awesome that you guys are focused on the psychosocial support Mm -hmm. as well as the preventative with the mammograms, because I mean, Sarah and I talk about this all the time, but 
chances are you're going to enter into survivorship and be okay. And so you need to pay attention to those other aspects of your life. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not just the cancer diagnosis. It's also your emotional and your mental and your, you know, physical well-being and your practical support. So I think that's filling a critical need for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And we, you know, that aspect of our program continues to evolve and grow. And I'm super excited to be a part of that, you know, as a, as a social worker and just having worked with individuals who are going through like healthcare crises. I, I know what it's like. And just from a personal standpoint too, like, um, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, Beth, but my aunt is a breast cancer thriver. So she's, she's living with stage four breast cancer. And I, I've been a part of her journey and her support system. And I can't imagine like what it would look like to not have the support that she has been so fortunate to have with mm-hmm. friends and family and meals mm-hmm. and, you know, different organizations. And so it just gives me a whole nother like sense of determination because I know there's women out there who don't have that level of support. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it really helps me, you know, take that experience and just fine tune what we're doing at Gateway to Hope to make sure that every woman, every man, every person that we serve has, you know, feels as supported as my aunt has felt in her. Yeah, we always, we all function a lot better when we are kind of driven by our own internal, like, pull to, to serve something that's greater that we have been personally affected by. So thank you for sharing that. Before we conclude for today, let's hear from our second sponsor. SSM Health is a proud sponsor of the Besties with Breasties podcast. One in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer during their lifetime. Early detection is key and keeping up to date on yearly mammograms could be life-saving. At SSM Health, we offer patients in the St. Louis area online scheduling for mammograms, including next day appointments. Visit ssmhealth.com slash schedule mam to make your appointment now. Okay, and we're back. So Heather, tell us about how patients can find you. Sure. So a few different ways, like we are totally flexible. We're getting with the times. Patients can text us. They can call our direct line or text our direct line, which is 314-569-1113. Again, that number has text message capabilities. Upon contacting us, we will get them established, get an application out to them, work with them through that process. You know, typical turnaround from start to finish as far as when somebody contacts with us. I mean, I would say within 48 business hours, we are following up with anybody who reaches out. So our web, we also have a website where our application can be found there and individuals can email us through our website as well. And that is www.gthstl.org. And then one of our patient navigators, Sarah or Megan, will connect with that interested individual and we'll get them set up. But it's it's not a difficult process. We try to keep it as simple as possible because we know that when you have a breast cancer diagnosis, like you have enough going on um, <laughs> yeah. and we don't want to complicate anything. So yeah. 
we try to keep things as simple as possible. Like I said, text messaging is a thing. Like, you know, that's, that's for a lot of our younger patients, that's their preference, right? The only form I of I love me some text messaging. I'm all right? about, I'm all like, about don't the text. Send me a voicemail, send me a text. Right, yep. right. Yep. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Heather. The work you do is amazing. And we really appreciate what Gateway to Hope is doing for breast cancer patients. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Of course, of course. So today we've talked about Gateway to Hope's mission to remove barriers to affordable, timely, quality health care. And next time we're going to continue our discussion regarding finances when we talk to another nonprofit whose mission is to promote economic success by providing financial education and access to reliable financial products and services. So until next time, guys. See ya. See ya.